everyone! Welcome to Movie Films with Bill and Steve. I'm Bill. And I'm Steve. Movies talk. So let's talk movies. Let's talk those movies. How you doing this week, Steve? Uh, I'm doing okay. Um, Carousel did get uh, picked up for distribution, if you folks forget. It's been a while. It's I been four the... weeks. we got a lot to talk about. I sent the hard drives to the distributor. They got it. Everything's a-okay. I'm not sure if they checked every single file yet, but still, that means that's moving along. Mm-hmm. Eventually, we'll get to that shit. Um, Carousel had a screening at a drive-in theater in Indiana yesterday, so that's cool. Nice. Huge turnout, 15 cars. This. Um, and the theater, <laughs> the theater gets half the sales, and then, since it was a double feature, the two filmmakers of the film split the other half the sales, so I'll be getting a check for $30. Hey, you know what? That's $30 you didn't have before. Absolutely! I ain't gonna bitch too much, but it's still funny! Uh, no, it, that is that's hilarious. It's uh, not quite as funny as some people whose residual checks they get in the mail are two cents. Right. Even my checks are better that, than that for Everyone Must Die. Yeah. Well, for some people, they're like, getting residuals from movies from like 30 years ago. Yeah, I know. So at this point, they're not getting much. So it's like, here you go, here's your, here's your two cents. It, like, it, for some people, it costs more to cash that check than it does. To, uh, yeah. Yeah, you know, to get it. <laughs> um... I mean, that's the main bits, you know, just still been living it up in my house, been trying to get stuff together, trying to get my life together, and, uh, that's it. Nice, we are living in a post-cloin world. Post-cloin. How can I live again through that? Oh, yeah, I also did the uh, circus in Pittsburgh as Spider-Man, speaking of cloins. Uh, lots of cloins. Uh, the circus is basically my WrestleMania when it comes to, like, Marvel events, Mm -hmm. and it, it was the best show I've ever put on. It was great. Awesome. The script that I wrote and that we recorded, it killed. Like, we worked the crowd more this show than the crowd has ever been worked before. Oh, the f- you're working those marks. Working those marks. Um, The folks that run the circus loved it. And aside from the main guy that runs the circus, a lot of his, like, family and, like, cohorts didn't know that the show got rewritten. So as soon as the Green Goblin starts spewing pure pro-wrestling heel words about the city of Pittsburgh... They were just losing their minds in laughter, and That's I loved awesome. it. I loved That's it. Awesome. Um, and it was solid. You know, people connected. You know, kids apparently got the whole fact that I made the Green Goblin Harry. Um, the fight got laughs. You know, lots of laughs, booze in the right places, cheers in the right places. It was just great. It worked out really well, so I was very happy. Perfect. And then Marvel actually paid me a little extra money since I wrote a new script, which they usually... Uh... Marvel ain't the kind of company to volunteer extra money. Yeah. So fuck fucking yeah. Marvel. And there are books that are aimed towards uh, the alt-right. Sure they are. Yeah. That's <laughs> exactly, exactly what they it's are. It's been a really weird four weeks since we've been gone from the show. It's been a super weird four weeks. Uh, I, well, before we get to like discussing those four weeks, uh, not a lot's been going on for me. Uh, same old shit. Living my life. Uh, you know, having good times. <laughs> Eating cookies, eating burritos, being a fat-ass Midwestern fuck, not giving a shit. You know? That's what it's all about. This is America, motherfucker. Fuck yeah. Trump's America, 2017. You know, we're gonna build that wall. Make it great again. It's gonna be be great. I don't know what that means, but... It's gonna be great. It's gonna be something, dudes. It's gonna be huge. You sad. Sad. That's my favorite fucking thing. (laughs) 
Every time someone makes a fake uh, Trump tweet or anything like that, it, every time there's that sad period at the end, I just laugh. It's a, it's a boom, biggest punchline for me of that stuff. I love it. Uh, otherwise, um, I got went this week was a WWE house show. Good times. It was great to see Shinsuke Nakamura live in person for the first time after being a fan of his for so long. It was something I figured would never happen, but. Uh, he's on. He's on SmackDown. So it's, Peoria is a shitty kind of shitty sh- shit town for wrestling. Sometimes, so, so we get the B team. You know, places like Champaign and other places, bigger cities in Illinois. We get the A team, which is the you know, the Raw house shows. Peoria yeah. gets always at the B team, which is now the SmackDown house shows, which I'm fine with because everyone I like is on SmackDown for the most part. Yeah, except for a couple folks on Raw. I think I'd agree with that. So I mean, so overall, it was a really good time, good show. Uh, tomorrow, I'm going to down to St. Charles, the suburb of St. Louis, going down there to for an NXT house show, uh, which, from all accounts, looks like it sold like shit. That's <laughs> the day before, and there are really, really good floor seats still available for like forty bucks. Wow, I paid uh, I paid close to eighty for mine because I bought them when they when they went on sale because I was expecting to be like Chicago when the NXT came through for the Chicago house shows. Uh, they sold out in five, uh, in ten minutes, and so much so they added the second show to that day. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I thought, oh, this, the, this these new shows coming through will do the same thing. They did not do that. Okay. So I'm 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 slightly salty, but at the same time, you know, you know, you can't predict how things are gonna go sometimes. I got and I I'm all, me and Rachel have been laughing because we're also extra kind of salty on top of this because we bought these tickets, and then two weeks later they announced they're doing, they're doing a takeover pay per view in Chicago. Mm-hmm. So we were all excited, like, oh, great, we're, we, were, we didn't mind paying a little extra you know, a little extra money for this house show, because like, we never get to see NXT. And I was like, oh, here's a takeover show, too. And I'm like, oh, well, we're going to buy tickets for that, I guess, because <laughs> why not? It's a takeover, and all. it's a big deal, and all that type of stuff. It's just the, all those little things. And so we're going to have a good time. going to see my aunt and my grandmother. Uh, might go to Six Flags, St. Louis, which is a big favorite of mine, depending on the weather. Uh Yeah. If it's good uh, weather, then it's a good time. It is, you know. They have a sweet Justice League ride that is indoors. So if it is bad weather, I could still go and just ride that ride like ten times. Over and over and over again. Yeah, I'm going to kick the Joker in Lex Luthor's ass. <laughs> they can't kidnap Wonder Woman the Flash. That ride is great because it really puts uh, Cyborg as like the main character. Well, they sh- DC really wants to push Cyborg hard. Because it's basically like Lex Luthor kidnapped everybody except Cyborg. <laughs> <laughs> so now everybody has to join Cyborg to go stop Lex Luthor and the Joker from because they kidnapped everybody. It's uh it's quite comical. Uh, so that's that's the pleasantries. That's actually probably the shortest intro segment we've had on our personal lives in a long time. And even though it's been four weeks, we've done nothing because we're sad, pathetic DC cucks who just uh, watch movies. Oh, I will say one dumb thing that doesn't matter that much, but since it was such a short intro, I'll mention it. Uh, guys, if you have a PS4 or a PC, buy near Automata. Oh yeah, for sure. It's a fucking masterpiece, and that's not a word I use for many video games. This game's a fucking masterpiece. It is beautiful, it is uh, full of sorrow and joy, and it is gorgeous, and it's got good gameplay, it's got an interesting world, I like the characters, the theming is super heavy, in a good way though, and it deals with a lot of heavy shit. It's fantastic. If you have a PS4, or a PC that can handle the game, I legitimately mean it. You are doing yourself a disservice by not getting the game. And I've never, like, pushed a game like this before, but it it deserves it. You, you mentioning that reminds me. I also uh, bought and beat a recent console game. Shocker, I know. Uh, <laughs> Horizon Zero Dawn. Oh, yeah, yeah, we have that, too. Haven't gotten that through it. That game gets a giant thumbs up from me. Sweet. 
Loved it. So I put uh, I I beat it. I can hundred percent the game. And it's actually hundred percent of it. It's the first <laughs> anything game trophy game PS3 PS4 ever that I've got a platinum trophy on. Oh, that's only because you're a cuck. I am a total cuck, and it's also one of the few games where you don't have to fucking beat the game three times and like the different difficulties to get trophies. I hate that shit. I hate that's what I hate. But even beyond that, I did do all the extra work. I did get the hundred. I did hundred percent. It did everything. You know, I could in the game. I think it took me about seventy hours. Mm-hmm. To do everything. Uh, that game is gorgeous. I love the characters. Uh, oh, oh, this Mary Sue uh, character, uh, whatever. Uh, Aloy uh, was a fantastic female lead in the game. I'm always down for that. Mm-hmm. Same thing. Same similar thing kind of happens with Near Automata, which is cool. I, I, I'm looking to pick up that next. Next, I was anyways, but I I, I realized I I need to beat Yakuza Zero because oh, I had to shit. stop that to play Horizon Zero Dawn. <laughs> so I need to go back to that and hopefully get it beat before. Um, uh, Yakuza Henshin. Shit, I forgot that there's a remake of the first Yakuza game coming out in July, which is actually really cool because it's actually only thirty bucks. So that's a really good pricing. I I thought it might be a full sixty dollar game, but they're not, which is it's cool because that that game is like a full on like remake of the first Yakuza game. It's not like just like an HD remaster type thing. So it's a gorgeous game for thirty bucks. Can't beat that. And speaking of remakes, there's the uh, Crash Bandicoot trilogy coming out. That looks amazing. Have you heard about this, Steve? Uh, yes, I've heard about it. Have you seen uh, video gameplay of it? I have. I've seen lots of side-by-sides, and it's it's incredible. <laughs> I'm hoping that they've still... I, I, I'm i hoping that they, like, updated the way the game actually plays hands-on, though, a little bit. I don't. Um, Because I feel like... Like, Ukulele is just a Nintendo 64 game with modern graphics. Yeah, my and, wife loves it. And uh, that's cool. A lot of people don't, and it's because they like took all of the all of the technical limitations of the N64 games and acted like they were features instead of like making the feel of the N64 game, but at least updating the technical flaws with it. Uh, I think my favorite comment on a review was, uh, people wanted a 90s platformer, they gave them a 90s platformer, and they're mad that they got a 90s platformer. Oh, well, they had to remember the hard way that 90s platformers were kind of shit. Well, it depends on who you are, because like, my, there's plenty of people who love the Banjo-Kazooie series. My wife is one of them. She her, Banjo-Tooie is her favorite game of all time. And so like this game, her oh, playing she, it, she's just nothing but joy. She loves Banjo-Tooie? Yes. That, that is a perfect explanation of like why she would love ukulele so much. And that's not a knock whatsoever. I'm just saying like a lot of people that hate Banjo-Tooie hate ukulele. And it's because ukulele is much more like Banjo-Tooie than Banjo-Kazooie. So anyone anyone that likes Banjo Tooie will like Ukulele, and anyone that doesn't like Banjo Tooie will probably not like Ukulele. I thought Banjo Tooie is a pretty widely loved game. I didn't realize it had uh, a group of people that really hated it. Yeah, I mean, not in the sense that everyone says it's a shit game. Just compared to the first, they don't like it and like the first. That's strange. Like a, a lot of people don't like the fact that the world map is like so much bigger. They feel like it's convoluted and it doesn't flow together well. I don't know. I'm not. In either camp, so I never paid that much attention to the arguments. I'm not either, because I didn't have an N64. <laughs> Me I neither. I had a PlayStation, you know, the console of good games. Yep. Lots of good games. I mean, N64 had good games, but not a lot, not very many of them. Yeah. Small handful. Uh, so I know, I, 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 when it comes to, like, Rare and the nostalgia for Rare's games, I really have none of it. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm not in the camp. But from, from her, she really loves the game. And that game's gotten a lot of shit, so it's like, oh, okay. Yeah, whatever. Uh... I didn't have the N64, I had a PlayStation, then I had a Dreamcast, so... Uh, when I was, uh, eight-ish, 
for some reason, I just stopped giving a shit about Nintendo. <laughs> and that has stuck with me ever since. I had the original NES, and then I realized that Sega does what Nintendo don't, so then I asked my mom for Genesis, and then I was a Sega boy the rest of my life. Even to this day, he's still holding out hope. Dreamcast 2, baby, I still got my pre-ordered GameStop. I hear hear at E3 this year, uh, Sega is going to finally get back into the console market. Oh, console market, they're coming back, guys. I'm going to buy my ticket to E3 and go and check it out. (laughs) Buy a ticket to E3? God, that's that's already too crowded. E3, professionals, people whose livelihood is based upon getting gaming news and all this stuff, as much as we joke about the term gaming journalism and snack taku and all that shit, you know, there's people whose livelihoods are, you know, based on this, and they can barely get through there and get the get the information they need to get. And now, because E3 is just a, you know, a sinking ship, they're like, oh, we're going to open the floor. I think it's like 6,000 tickets. Mm-hmm. It's some huge amount, and they're very expensive. Yeah, I got to I go. And so they're opening this up to the public, and it's just like, oh, you, this is a disaster. <laughs> I see that there's, like, still a bunch of tickets available, too. Well, I think it's just they're too expensive. I just I don't know who wants to go. I mean, e, e, here's E3. Uh, do you have an appointment? Well, no. Okay. Go over here. Well, here's a line for that's three hours long to play a game that's coming out in stores next week. Mm-hmm. Welcome to E3. <laughs> there's not a lot for you to do unless you're industry. Honestly, you know, it's just it's so silly. There we go. We filled up more time. We're we're podcast professionals. We know how to stretch things out. We know how to call attention to what we're doing. We filled that time up. We did. Uh, I tell you what's going to fill up lots of time this coming uh, winter is Star Wars, The Last Jedi. Uh, Star Wars Celebration happened. Uh, There was a teaser trailer, which I don't know why people give so much shit about teaser trailers, especially Star Wars teaser trailers, because it showed you nothing. (laughs) Right. Really. I think the biggest complaint I heard is that it's lack of anything new is what they don't like about it, which... When you watch the teaser trailer for Force Awakens, you see lots of things you've never seen before in a Star Wars film. Right. And so it is very... And plus it was the first one after a very long time, so you're like, ooh, ah, this, that. But when you watch The Last Jedi, it's kind of like, uh, okay. <laughs> yeah, okay. I mean, these are all image, imagery we've seen before. Nothing nothing is really new here. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, it worked for Force Awakens because it was like a return to Star Wars. Mm-hmm. But with Last Jedi, it's just like, okay, now we actually... You need to sell us on a movie now. Even the Rogue One teaser trailer really, like, showed you, like, this is going to be something really different. Like, oh, there's the Death Star. Like, whoa. Like, this is, like, it's, like, getting the tone and, like, the, they have that whole, like, um, alarm, like, siren going off throughout the entire teaser trailer. It's creating this sense of urgency and, like, dread. Like, oh, what's going to happen? What's this, that? Yeah. And all sort of stuff. And this one's just like, no. There's some AT-ATs in the background. Oh, cool. Remember what I said after uh, The Force Awakens? I'm like, well, as long as the second film isn't, like, Empire, it's okay. And then you just see lots of things in this teaser trailer, which again, we're, we're judging a film based off a teaser trailer. It, it might change, but still, it's just like, ah, okay, this is, this might be weird. Yeah. I don't care. I'll go see it. At this point, though, I, I do laugh. I, I was mentioning this on Facebook to some people that I feel like the seek the side films, I'm more interested in any of those than I am about the main trilogy films. Yeah. Like, I loved Rogue One, like, a ton, as I talked about at the end of the year retro um, discussion. Basically, the best of 2016 episode. There we go. I can get these words out of my mouth, because I'm a podcasting professional. You know, I, I actually am really looking forward to Han Solo. Mm, I could give or take that one. I don't really care that much. 
I I want I mean Rogue One made me excited because I'm like okay good they I think they can do really great things with these these like side story films these anthology films. Mm-hmm. I think Donald Glover is probably the only thing I'm not looking forward to in that film still. Yeah. But at the end of the day, I'm sure he'll be fine. I don't know. It's just it's just it, the casting still bothered me. But as far as everyone else in the cast in the film looked great, mm-hmm. you know. So. Well, wait and see what happens with that. Uh, I'm sure it'll make all the money. But now here's the question. Will it make more money than Fate of the Furious? Mm, I don't know. Fate of the Furious has made infinite money. Uh, oh, it beat the all-time international opening weekend number. It made, uh, I think it was $533 million opening weekend. Yeah, I mean, but it, it made no money in America, though, so why bother? <laughs> yeah, I... Some people have been doing this disguise who have no understanding of box offices. Not that I'm saying we're professionals, but, you know, it's like, uh, but it didn't make its money back. It's like, well, there's a difference. Okay. Power Rangers probably won't get a sequel because even with International, it made like a, I, let's, let's, let's do an updated uh, look here. Uh, Wasn't it like get, 125 or something last time I know, looked? We're going to get on Box Office Mojo. Uh, it's a great resource for finding this shit out. Let's type it up here. Let's bring it up. Power Rangers 2017, $100 million budget, worldwide made $133 million. Yep. $83 million in the United States. Yep. That yeah, I would be shocked if Saban goes through and makes a sequel. Yeah. I'm sorry, I think Lionsgate released it. So Yeah, it's Lionsgate. So I, I, at this point, I will be legitimately shocked if a sequel comes out for this. Even China couldn't save it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, not even China. I didn't expect China to save it, but I did. was waiting to see if China, like, at least put a good chunk in. You know what I mean? I don't think it ever even came out in China. I don't even see it on this list of foreign countries that really got money from. So maybe it hasn't come out in China? Even then. I'm... Yeah, it ain't going to be that much. No, it ain't going to do it. Transformers will make all the money. Mm-hmm. Coming in June. Also coming in June is Wonder Woman. Excited for all both those films. Yeah, I'm very surprised we're close to June and we haven't got like a new Wonder Woman trailer that gives somewhat of an idea of what the plot is. I think they are waiting for the Guardians two hype to die down because I think if they release Wonder Woman now, it's going to get overshadowed by Guardians of the Galaxy. 2. Is there any Guardians Guardians hype? I I I, I, have I mean, I'm seeing a ton of advertisements on Facebook and YouTube and stuff. So I just don't feel like there's that many people talking about it. I mean, maybe not, but they don't want to be um like muted. So I'm pretty sure right after Guardians comes out, we'll we'll see another Wonder Woman trailer. Yeah, I, I'm just talking about the Guardians like promotion right now. I don't, I don't. It's still strange. I, I don't know how to gauge what I'm seeing for that. Mm-hmm. But I guess the third film will set up all like ten next ten years of Marvel films. Oh boy! Oh boy! Uh, or, or rather, Volume Two will set up the next ten years. Whoop de do. Um, but yeah, the, all the money going to Fate of the Furious. I like the film a lot. Uh, I've seen some people say it's the best in the franchise. I won't go that far. Uh, I think it's very good, though. Uh, there's definitely like a very much a hard-boiled, inspired uh, segment of the film. Yeah, where if you if you've seen hard-boiled, there's some good segments in there. Now, which one am I talking about? Ah, uh, you have to see the film to find out. It involves Jason Statham and a baby. Fuck yeah! So if you've seen hard-boiled, you know. You know, I, I just told you there. So that, that's some reason. Go and check it out. Like, everybody else in the world has seen this movie already, so... I got a... Uh, I bought the... I had not owned any of the films on Blu-ray, just because I never picked them up, so I made a Target price match the box set on Amazon. Target, it was $70. Amazon is 27 
<laughs> so this guy is like having a price match. He's like, whoa, that's cheap. Oh, yeah. I'm fucking, uh, speaking of fucking movies on Amazon, the fucking Phantasm Blu-ray set is already sold out as fuck. And selling for oh, like, did it sell out really quick? Yeah, it's already 150 bucks on Amazon through third-party sellers. Well, hopefully a second printing will come out. Yeah, hopefully. Because I, I didn't get a chance to buy it. I didn't even, I honestly did not even know that was a thing. Oh, so yeah. I saw a bunch of people getting it in the mail. I'm like, oh, it looks cool. I'm glad, because I, I kept on saying, like, originally when I first saw the advertisement, I just, in my brain, assumed, oh, great, another DVD release. I got enough, fuck, I already have all the DVDs, dickwads. Yeah. Make it Blu-rays. And then someone said, Steve, you know they're Blu-rays, right? Fuck yeah! I was wrong. That's okay. Yeah, I laughed, though, because when I, I guess when I saw that, I'm like, oh, but Shout Factory has this, the rights to the second one. I look, I'm like, on the spine of the second film, at the bottom says Scream Factory. Mm-hmm. So clearly they worked a deal to get that included on this box set for distribution. Because I think Anchor Bay had, um, like, before I think the most recent Phantasm Blu-ray came out, Anchor Bay, I think, was doing all of the films, except for two, two Scream Factory had gotten. Yeah. But I, I, I actually, have, I've never seen Ravager still. Well, again, it's worth seeing eventually. I know. But it's you ain't missing much. I, I know. I, I was so looking forward to that film. But then as it came out, and everyone's like, it's not very good. I'm like, now I'm just scared to watch it. Like... Like I don't want to watch this. I, I this is a franchise I love, and I'm having to like when it came into the, the the RoboCop reboot film. I was like, I I should watch this film, but I just didn't want to. I just took me forever to get around to watching it, just because like I don't. It is definitely slightly better than the RoboCop reboot. I'm sure it will be at least slightly better than that. But I'm just comparing it to like the last time I had that feeling of here's this film part of like a overall franchise that I love, and I should watch it to give an opinion. You know for complete a stake and to have an opinion on it but it's just like but i know i'm probably not gonna like it mm-hmm. yeah but uh let's see moving on to films getting sequels and such uh we are getting these finally getting the sequel to unbreakable titled glass coming in 2019 <laughs> and the glass breaks your ass <laughs> Uh, I don't now. Steve didn't know this. I it's been six months, so I think it's fair game to kind of talk about. Yeah, it's fair to talk about now, but I didn't know until literally today. Yeah, uh, <laughs> there. I won't say exactly how, but the ending of the film split that in my Shyamalan did uh, does tie into the Unbreakable universe. Uh, of course, I'm not going to say how. I mean, I don't know how. I just know it does because I haven't had a chance to see the film. Uh, so because of this, create a lot of hype. Everyone's like, "Holy shit, he did that!" And he's doing all this. So out of this, we've gotten all this stuff involving finally, finally, after all these years, everyone's been wanting it for so long. We are finally getting it, a sequel to In My Shyamalan's best film. Oh yeah, Unbreakable. And I, as far as I've heard, uh, Bruce Willis and uh, Sam Jackson are on board for it. Good. Oh, speaking of Sam Jackson, Steve, I need to ask you: Have you seen the trailer for Hitman Bodyguard? <laughs> I have not. Uh, Ryan Reynolds is the is a bodyguard for Sam Jackson, who's a hitman, who are people are trying to come kill. What? Yeah, that's the film. Okay. Uh, you should look up the trailer for that afterwards. I think I, I know you're a big Ryan Reynolds fan. I am. So you might uh, you might really enjoy that. I do. Like uh, the the po- I think the I think it is the the official poster is basically a remake of the poster for the bodyguard. You know, the Kevin Costner. Um, it's like that, but it's like Ryan Reynolds carrying Sam Jackson. That's cool. Yeah, I mean, uh, I think I got the name of the film right. Hitman Bodyguard, the Hitman's Bodyguard. That's what it is. Yeah. So uh, yeah, check that out. They're, we're just filled with all sorts of news today. 
Just tons of news. Uh, and the last bit of news that broke over the last couple weeks. Um, Steve, what if I told you that we're getting a Batgirl film? Oh, that's cool. That's really cool. Um, I, I'm into that idea. I like the idea. I mean, I'm not a big fan of the Bat family fucking oversaturating the DC market, but it is what it is. It's popular. Um, I mean, I hope that it takes place in the DCEU, right? Uh, I mean, that might be might be what we're getting. Um, um, and I, as long as I get a good director, especially one that's like really good at like handling women, like writing women and directing women, I think it'd end up being a good film. Okay, well, you're in luck, Steve. Because the person set right now to direct Batgirl is none other than Joss Whedon. Oh no. Oh, oh no. But but Steve, he did Buffy. Yeah, that's it? Like, no thank you? Um. I don't like Buffy that much. I like the movie more. I, I really do like the movie a lot. To be fair, if Paul Rubens was in the show, I might like the show a lot. If Rudger Hauer was in the show, I might like Rudger Hauer. I do like Anthony Stewart Head, though. I'll give the show that. Yeah, I liked it. I liked the made the first four seasons of Buffy. When she get, leaves high school and goes to college, that show turns to dog shit. Yeah, it does. Hard dog shit. Uh, Angel's okay, but again, Angel got canceled because of Joss Whedon being a up, uppity prick, mm-hmm. which is pretty famous for that. Like they were taking their time. They're you know taking their time deciding they're going to renew it, and he was like, "Well, I need to know now." And yeah. he's like, okay, and the pe- people at the studio were like, oh, if you need to know now, you're canceled. Then no. <laughs> yeah, if you're going to be like that. And then, of course, I mean, I have a long-running thing of why I don't like Joss Whedon. I think he he thinks his farts don't stink. He's the, you know, God's gift to everything. All this shit he acts like him, of himself. I mean, I will never get, get, o- get over the whole alien resurrection bullshit. Oh, yeah. Oh, my movie's great. My movie's amazing. My movie's this. Oh, it's, it's, it's the best. Movie comes out. No one likes it. Off oh, the studio. It's like it's your fucking script. It's your script. Your script, and you directed the fucking thing. Mm-hmm. It's, it's your fuck. Unless I'm misremembering. I, I know you wrote the script. I, I I I feel like lately I've, my brain's been going to to mush, so I kind of forget sometimes who directed what. It's okay. So I'm, I'm checking real quick because I want to catch myself. No, I don't want Alien. I want Alien Resurrection. That's why I fucking typed in Alien Resurrection, you piece of shit. <laughs> that's right. No, no, no. He interrupted. I'm sorry. His script. Yeah, it he was wrote his script. It, yeah. That's what I thought. Okay. I, that's what I thought. I said that. I thought that sounded wrong. Uh, but even then, like, his, the fucking shit with Avengers and Age of Ultron, I really don't get why everyone loves Firefly so much. It's just a ripoff of Outlaw Star. Mm-hmm. It's, like really, like really bad ripoff about Lost Star. I always love telling people that I watched Firefly, uh, and I didn't like it at all. And then I watched Serenity and said that I really enjoyed it. And everyone that loves Firefly, their minds are always blown by that. And then I tell them, well, I like Serenity because there was a story and stuff happened. And then I found out after watching the film that that movie was meant to be four seasons of the show. So Joss Whedon was forced to tell. A 90-minute story in 90 minutes instead of spreading it out over five fucking years. Oh, that's brutal. Yeah. I didn't know that bit about Star Trek. Oh, yeah! Like, that is, like every, like, thing that's getting resolved in that movie is was supposed to be, like, a season-ending arc. <laughs> Which is insane! And that's what oh, I don't... Amazing. That's what I don't like about Joss Whedon. When he's forced... Uh, to, like, be concise and clear, he can do good stuff. Because I like some Joss Whedon movies. Mm-hmm. Um, but when he's just allowed to be Joss Whedon, no thanks. 
Yeah, I think the big thing came out was like Gail Simone was coming forward like, oh, if you need help writing this or something, I can help you. And I'm thinking, it's Joss Whedon. You, you, you will never in a million years get a phone call from him. Seriously. I, I See, would love Gail to be on the book. I mean, on the script. Yeah. Uh, so we'll, we'll, we'll have to wait. I guess I, there's a lot of rumors going on about like everything else going on with that. Like again, like the idea that it might be like a Nightwing. There might be a whole like Bat Family series of films going on or something. And mm-hmm. we'll, we'll, we'll find out what's going to happen. I, I, I see plenty of people complaining like, why is there a Batgirl film not being directed by a woman? Which is a fair complaint. Mm-hmm. I mean, Wonder Woman is being directed by a woman. Then, of course, the complaint comes, well, it was written by three men. I'm like, okay. I think, I, last I checked, like, the greatest uh, storyline in, in Wonder Woman's books in Forever was written by a man. Yeah. I forget I forget the particular run, but I know it was like the early 2000s, that entire period was very good. I, I can't remember the name of the writer. I do apologize, but I remember it. If I remember correctly, it was a male writer, and everyone like oh, it's a big, critically acclaimed run. But I mean, guys can still write women, you know. It's just... Only no, no, no. See, so think only a woman can write the story of a woman that comes from an Amazon island, mascara <laughs> that that of an island full of women who have no real like influence of the outside world and their their society and their civilization no a woman has to write that a man can't possibly write that can't possibly that's my biggest thing that makes me laugh the most and when people are complaining about that for this film i'm like she might as well be like just a, an alien it's coming from an alien society alien world that has nothing to do with this, the world of man it's a fish out of water film essentially in a lot of ways mm-hmm. from what we see in the trailer a little bits here and there so like why does it why does it have to be a woman writing that i don't understand yeah Besides the fact that I, you know, obviously it's great. I guess get people working. I guess I don't know. Brian Azzarello is the one that wrote the big, critically acclaimed New Fifty Two Wonder Woman, which was the best, well, the best run Wonder Woman has had in fucking years. Uh, okay, I guess in years because the new. I'm talking about one that took place before the New Fifty Two back in the early two thousands. Uh, I forget that that story offhand. That's totally fine. Yeah. If you do. I, I think like the storyline at the time she was like she was writing a book and doing all this other stuff. Regardless, men have written been, some great Wonder years. Woman. Uh, yeah, Wonder Woman, great. Uh, Joss Whedon, boo. <laughs> Joss Whedon, boo, Wonder Woman, great. Uh. Depends on also, like... Zack Snyder, sad. <laughs> um, yeah, fucking Zack Snyder making fucking Aquaman's trident into a fucking quiet <laughs> What a fucking hack. Yeah, it's only been that way in the book since, for like, you know, the 80s. 30, like, years. 30 years. Yeah. <laughs> Plus. Yeah, okay, guys. Why don't you guys, why don't you guys do a good, you know... The, the old adage, uh, do just take five seconds, do a Google search. Lord knows I try to do that on the podcast all the time so I can make sure to cover myself because, you know, I, you, you want to have some sense of, uh, you know, you know things a little bit maybe. Yeah. <sighs> I, I appreciate that, like, everywhere that I have seen, like, that image or that complaint posted, they are immediately bombarded with just countless posts from people with, like, toys from 1985 with the Trident looking like that. Um, cartoon images from the 80s of the Trident looking like that. All the new 52 art, all the 90s art, all the 80s art. Just countless people being like, go fuck yourself. Yeah. Even people that are like, look, fuck Zack Snyder, but this is literally bullshit. <laughs> Yeah, no, the fact that it got shared around being like, oh, here's a here's another rib on the fucking DC films. It's like, okay, well, even you sharing it, you look like an idiot. Yeah. Got to stop it. Just stop it. You prick. Uh, but we got to move on. Uh, you know, I said 
at the beginning of this year that we were going to cover, we're going to go back to the first year of the podcast, try to touch a bit more on some themed episodes that we used to do kind of semi-regularly that we kind of dropped off after the first year or so. But I thought, you know, let's go back. We had some good ideas, some good things we can go with. Obviously, we've done sci-fi sequels a bunch. And obviously, of course, our most prestigious series was the Disney series and the Jason Statham series. But we're back today. We're going to do another Then and Now, where we look at a character's uh, beginning and find out where they are currently. Uh, last time we did John Rambo, which was, oddly enough, played by Sylvester Stallone. And this week, we're looking at the character of Rocky Balboa, the Italian stallion, also played by Sylvester Stallone. Hell yeah, the Italian stallion. <laughs> so first, uh, we're going to look at the beginning of this character in the 1976 film Rocky, rated PG, two hours, directed by John G. Avildsen, written by Sylvester Stallone. Rocky Balboa, a small-time boxer, gets a supremely rare chance to fight heavyweight champion Apollo Creed in a bout in which he strives to go the distance for his self-respect. He's flying high now. Flying high now! Uh, so Steve, uh, we're covering some pretty big films on this week's uh, episode. Uh, what did you think of Rocky? I am a huge Rocky fan. Uh, this is something that not a lot of people know about me because I don't talk about it that much. I don't know if I just don't seem like the kind of guy that would like the Rocky films a lot. Fucking love the Rocky films. Love them. Love them, love them. All except five. <laughs> I'm the same way. <laughs> I look at my shelf, I own every film now. I don't own five. Yeah, no reason. Rocky Balboa is Rocky Five. Yeah. It, it, has, it has more reason to exist than the fifth Rocky film. Oh, God, yes. Um, so, always been a big fan of Rocky. I've always loved Rocky. Uh, rewatching Rocky, which is a great treat, because I love Rocky. It is a great film. Sylvester Stallone fought hard to get the film made, um, because he wrote it. And you can tell he loves the story, and he fought hard to also star in the film. Yes, and, that was, uh, yeah, yeah. And he does a great job in the fucking movie. And His biggest point when they were doing the casting is, like, I have to be Rocky. And it's like, because Rocky's me. And it's like, when you, when you know about... Stallone before this film and like everything he like he was going through and like how like rock bottom like not even rock bottom he was like below rock bottom he was rocky bottom yeah <laughs> uh, the, the rock bottom uh, <laughs> rock bottom rock bottom that's how low he was can you smell what the Rocky's cooking <laughs> it's turkey turkey's outside go get it <laughs> uh, you know it's like it's just like it's such a parallel with the character Rocky and oddly enough the the, the evolution of the character Rocky is also very similar to Sylvester Stallone. It is. Kind of getting overblown and egotistical and all this other shit. There's like, very, very, there's very always been a level of kind of self-awarity, I feel. You'd think so, but then you hear stories like on the set of Demolition Man, how they had to build him a driving range and have like a go- like a golf instructor come in so when they're setting, doing setups or his shots and stuff, he'll like fly his helicopter over to like wherever this golf instructor's at and then practice his swing. Well, Yeah. Like, they, they spent millions of dollars just doing this for him, for this film. So you hear some of that, it's like, Jesus Christ. Oh, he was the Demolition Man, Bill. Uh, as, as Sting told us. <laughs> uh, uh, but yeah. But when it comes to, yeah, the character Rocky, I'm, I think, I don't know if it's such a weird thing to be a fan of this franchise. I feel like the Rocky franchise is a, is a favorite amongst most people. Oh, not weird. I guess people look at me... They look at my Power Ranger collection, look at my superhero collection, they see the ga- the video games I play, the movies I usually geek out about, and I guess just this movie about a boxer usually isn't on that same list. You know what I mean? That's all. 
Maybe I don't. I think that I think the Rocky franchise kind of transcends all that stuff. It I agree. Like a <laughs> quote unquote sports film, it, it it really has like very little to do about like the like boxing itself. More or less about perseverance. I mean, that's what I also describe to people. You know, it's definitely the Rocky films are films that are much more about the journey than they are about boxing. It's about becoming exactly. a better person. It's becoming. Uh, it's about like self understanding, learning about oneself, or at least like one, two, and. A little less so three and four, you know what I mean? Uh, I think three still kind of has that message of... I just said less so. Four four is when, man, the train tracks, we're off them now. (laughs) We're just going down this hill. Hey, we gotta fucking uh, fix communism. That's right. Uh, as we, let's, we'll get to that in a second. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, love Rock, uh, Rocky inspired me to become a boxer. And I boxed as a hobby for about um, eight months. And, <laughs> and I, I had six very, like, indie matches. Uh, my, my last match was ten rounds long. And I went all ten rounds. And I at the end of it, I said, this is a stupid hobby. And I stopped boxing. That's probably for the best. Um, I did not break my nose, just like Rocky. Never, there you go. Never broke my nose. And I was four and two, so I'll take that as my career... My career win streak. What what uh, weight class did you box at? I was light. Okay, I figured just that. Yeah, I was even like skinnier than like I put on a lot of muscle mass now. Uh, by comparison of what I was, I'm not saying I'm fucking huge. I mean, like I used to weigh 120 pounds, and not so, now I'm at light, 150. Would that be featherweight, or did or does boxing not go down? The, I know, like that. I think if I remember correctly, that's featherweight. Is that for like UFC? I'll know. find out for sure right now. Because I'm curious, that's one I, I meant to double check some of the weight. Wait, I wanted to get some stupid boxing tips for this fucking movie, but I'm a I'm a professional podcast maker, so <laughs> I do all the research, which is what people come here for. I'll talk about the the box office film. Uh, uh, this film was made for 1.1 million dollars because United Artists really didn't think it would do anything. Uh featherweight would be about 125 pounds, so I must that must have been when I was more like 130 something. Because okay. I was okay, a lightweight. Good. I was a lightweight, but you're right. A, a, a featherweight is like 120-something. Okay, cool. So I, I was somewhat right there. I, I listen to a lot of MMA podcasts, even though I don't... Oh, sorry. I listen to one MMA podcast. Uh, the MMA report that John Pollock does. John Pollock does a bunch of other wrestling stuff. But often I'll listen to the MMA report just because I'm interested. Mm. Like, I don't actually actively, like, watch or follow UFC, but I'm still interested in, like, hearing about the sport. Mm-hmm. So it's uh, this thing. So I, I, I'm like when you talk about weight classes, I'm like I kind of know about weight classes. <laughs> so I can, I can kind of get that, and I, and I, I do somewhat have, have an interest in, in boxing, but boxing has fallen off the wayside like so fucking hard in the last like 20 years. Oh God, yes, it has. It used to be when you were the heavyweight champion of the world, you were the fucking superstar of like sports, of celebrity, of, like of anything. Fucking, yep. there'll never be another Mike Tyson in those terms. Well, Absolutely not. I mean, now, but now we're just, the landscape now is just because we're in UFC. UFC and MMA in general is just taken over. Between UFC, Bellator, uh, I think Ryzen out of Japan. Like, there's all these organizations. It's just like that. That is what boxing used to be. Mm-hmm. And even I, even those haven't gotten to the same height. I feel boxing was. I don't know. Conor McGregor is pretty huge. Like the num- the numbers as far as pay per view wise they get now for UFC events are just ginormous. Okay, maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. You know, I don't got my finger on that pulse. I mean, I mean, obviously, we'll probably never hit like Muhammad Ali levels. Like the whole reported numbers that Muhammad Ali and uh, Antonio Noki had when they did the, like the wrestling versus boxing thing that supposedly was seen by a billion people. Yeah, 
through closed circuit and all this other ridiculous shit. But I mean, I don't think we'll ever, maybe we'll probably will never get anywhere like that. But that was also a different time when those people, like people like that and those stars are made when boxing was huge because there wasn't really much there was nothing in else. forms of entertainment. So yeah, you really just had, you know, uh, George Foreman, uh, Joe, uh, uh, Joe Frazier. I don't, I'm trying to remember big. Now we just have, um, uh, is it Mayweather? Yeah. Is the, like the big, like boxing name. Mm-hmm. And like, I guess the big thing is like him and uh, McGregor are going to have a fight. <laughs> so yeah, this UFC guy versus this boxing guy. Oh, okay. And everyone's like, how is that going to help McGregor for his like UFC career? I was like, it won't, but he'll make like $42 million on one fight and he'll do it. Yeah. He'll make a lot of money and that's why we're doing it. That'd be the biggest payday of his like entire professional career. And he already makes an absurd amount of money. Yeah. <laughs> so, but, um, going back to Rocky, sorry for the side tangent of the world of sports, which I know is what you come to this movie podcast for. Oh, you know how much I love the sports, the sports. Uh, how about those Maple Leafs? They did really well in the NHL playoffs for being a team that people didn't think would do very well. Mm-hmm. And the fucking Blackhawks. Just fucking choked and died out there. They're out of the running. Yeah. God damn it. I like hockey, but I'm terrible at following hockey. <laughs> you can tell because I don't have much else to talk about besides the Blackhawks and the Maple Leafs. But the Blues, the Blues, they're, they're in playoffs still, I guess. All my family loves the Blues. Okay. Uh, Rocky's a great film. Rocky Bobo is a great character. <laughs> I, I don't have uh, much else to say on the character, but the film is great because the film is the film is like Rocky himself. It feels really cheap. It feels uh, very. Um, I, I think even though the film had a you know, million dollar budget for seventy six, or I guess seventy five when it was made, um, it still has there's a, a very cheap quality about it. Yeah, because there's obviously they're obviously using stock footage for the arena for the fight between Apollo Creed. Uh, there's really bad ADR work in this film. Yes, there is. Like really bad. But it, there's a there's such a much there's so much charm in that. It's kind of like you know everything. This film feels dirty. It's just the time period and like where they're at in Philadelphia and all this stuff. Like the like the uh, Mickey's Gym just looks like fucking Greaseball City. Mm-hmm. And this has this like layer of film of dirt on this everything. It's like it it just adds to the charm of and even like Rocky's apartment is this kind of shoddy as shit and. The film itself just has so much heart, like the title character, Rocky mm-hmm. Balboa, who's just uh, a bum. Yeah. You know? Total like, bum. As Mickey, Mickey said, he has all the potential in the world, but he decided he, instead he wanted to go out and break legs. Mm-hmm. Uh, for Joe Spinell, good old Joe Spinell, great actor, who we'll be t- talking about next week. You'll have to tune in to find out why we're talking about Joe Spinell next week. But uh, Anything else about Rocky? I mean, this is like one of the greatest films of all time uh academy award winner <laughs> and we're just sitting here just talking about conor mcgregor all right um well let's talk i want to talk about burgess meredith uh who i fucking love in this film i i yeah i'm a huge i've always loved burgess period yeah exactly between mostly because of the twilight zone yeah for me personally uh it's a big it's big twilight zone also a lot of batman gotta be honest and of course uh hot to trot starring bobcat <laughs> of course Burgess Meredith gets reincarnated as a horsefly. <laughs> um, don't forget about Deep Apollo 8 as the narrator. <laughs> um, no, I mean, Burgess is a, a really good actor, and he's really great in this film. Yes. Um, Carl Weathers as Apollo Creed, goddamn. I love Carl Weathers, and I love Apollo Creed. 
Yeah, I'm a huge fan of the character. Anyone that walks out to box dressed as George Washington. <laughs> and then Uncle Sam. Yeah, if it's, I want you, I want you. It's like, <laughs> my, the, the, the character of Apollo Creed is so great in this film, and which is definitely what leads into the, the, the sequels, is, uh, like, I think there's a great scene when uh, the news, like, uh, Polly gets the news reporters to come and watch, you know, Rocky beat up the side of beef, which is a very famous part of this film. Mm-hmm. And, like, Apollo's trainer is, like, the only person, like, watching the special, like, watching how Rocky fights. And to, meanwhile, Apollo's too busy with the business side, the money side. Getting massages. Get yeah, getting massages, talking about, like, oh, we're gonna do this number here, we're gonna do marketing here. And, like, the trainer's trying to get him to come over and look at him, he doesn't give a shit. Yeah. It's like that's such a. It's like there's such. Even though we don't get a lot of time in this film with Apollo Creed, we do. We get. We do learn a lot about his character. I. It's a case where Apollo Creed is not like an asshole, but he's definitely very egotistical. Well, yeah, because he's like undefeated world heavyweight champion. He's like he's like he's the villain, but not not really the villain. The match itself is really the villain of the film. He's the antagonist. Yeah, but yeah, the match is the villain. He is not. He's not some mu- mustache-twirling piece of shit that you're like, oh, Rocky needs to take this guy down a notch. Like, no, he's just, he's a boxer who's the best in the world. Yeah, he's really not even in this film that much. Yeah. All in all. We just see little bits here and there, but really we're just following Rocky and how his feelings of inadequacy, doesn't know where he was supposed to be, thinks he could be something. And, like, that's the whole point of this film is, like, he doesn't even win this fight. Yeah. He, he loses by decision. But for him, that's all matter. All he wanted to do is go the entire, go the 12 rounds. Yeah, 15. Oh, for is it 15? My problem yeah, yeah, 15 fucking rounds. Jesus Christ. I cannot was imagine. It, was it 12 in Creed? It was... I, thought... yeah, I think it's 12 in Creed, uh, but that's because it's like a exhibition type deal, I think. No, it's a legit match okay. at the end of Creed. Uh, I, I, I oh, no, no, I'm thinking in Rocky Balboa, it's 10, and that's an exhibition match. In, okay, in yeah, Creed, it's 12. I don't think they... We're trying to get our match orders correct here, guys. I, don't, uh, I simply think they don't do 15 anymore, because it was fucking horrible. <laughs> like, oh, yeah, for the I mean, human body. Because that's, what, 15 three-minute rounds? Yeah. Yeah, that's a lot of head drama. Uh, a lot. Um, Jesus Christ. <laughs> oh, fuck. I, I appreciate how stupid Rocky is. Uh, like, he's just stupid. Yeah. He can't read well. He can't speak well. He can't think no good. And getting punched all the time doesn't help either. Yeah, I'm, well, I'm sure not a lot of it has to do. I'm sure some. He was sure dumb before. Me. He was dumb before. Don't get me wrong. And I, it's like I don't even think he, it's not necessarily. I don't know. I never want to think like he's dumb. He's just uh, um, I don't know. Still, just like still an era of na- naivete about him. Like he's still smart enough. To, he's like still street smart. He's street he smart. By, yeah. But he just, he just seems like the kind of guy that just is he, trying to become a boxer. He waved bye bye to book smarts a long time ago. Yeah, doesn't need him. He's gotta go uh, run down some dudes for some money. But man, does he got a heart of gold? Yeah, that's what I think. My favorite thing of a film is like when he's uh, shaking the guy down for money. It's like you clearly sense he has he has, does have uh, you know sense of morals, and he doesn't want to have to actually like, break this guy's thumbs. It's like, just give me what you got and all this stuff. And even like uh, uh, Joe Spinell's character uh, Grizza or Giza, whatever the fucking debt collector's name is. Even he's kind of like, ah, oh, come on, people are going to talk about me. Yeah. <laughs> Even he's nice, and he's a fucking loan shark. <laughs> he's a decent guy. These are some of the nicest people I've ever seen in Philadelphia. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's talk about, uh, what else, uh, Bird Young. Uh, I like him a lot, because he is an asshole. 
is he retarded do you think like a little like yeah do you think paulie's like a little retarded no, he just seems like a Philly guy. I don't know. Paulie is like such a stereotypical, well, stereotypical, like what I think of like of a Philly like dock worker. He just works in a you know butcher shop. He's just like this dumpy dude. I mean, there's a lot of retarded people in Philadelphia. Okay, well, I don't think Paulie is one of them. <laughs> um, I don't know. He just, maybe he just has too much of a rage issue. Oh yeah, I think that's it. Yeah. I mean, he's just a drunk. He's an alcoholic. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. He's an alcoholic dude who hates his life, wants something better. He's just a d- trying scheming, conniving. He's like uh, um, Jackie Gleason's character in the Honeymooners. Um, whatever, you know who I'm talking about. Like yeah. this idea that he's trying to ease. Like I said, you know, he, he there he was a bus driver, all this stuff. Like he's just one. He's trying to do these schemes, do these things to better his life. That's why he's bothering Rock all the time to get in with Lone Shark. He's like, I can beat up people. I can do this. Mm-hmm. Or like, I like he's selling advertising to like the uh, butcher's, but the meat warehouse in the back of his robe. Yeah, and he's like, what is that? It's like, ah, uh, Polly gets three thousand bucks for. I don't care. Yeah, I mean that he helps Polly out. He's just like, Polly, calm down. I'll help you out, and Polly's happy with that. Exactly. Um, and yeah, and then eventually thing. he gets his comeuppance, and he gets his reward, which is Happy Birthday, Polly. He gets a robot. He gets his own fucking robot. That's in, that's the Polly arc, in my opinion. Yeah. It's ramping up to him getting a robot. For sure. <laughs> and that's where he picks. And then, uh, of course, um, Talia Shire as Adrian. I thought Adrian was okay, but I blame that. I don't. I don't blame that because it works for the film. I just mean like she doesn't have that much of a chance to shine, and it's because Adrian is so shy. Yeah. Um. I. Uh. Talia does fantastic in the rest of the franchise by far, no question. But in this film, Adrian is definitely much less in the spotlight, and it's because of her personality and like her life. You know, like I mean, Polly definitely does not treat her very well. Nope. <laughs> and uh, she can't trust the Rocky. Well, she's just you know she's again she's shy she's not trust. She's like, oh, who's this guy? Like, why? She, she has such like self esteem issues. Like, why is he certain. possibly interested in me? Exactly. But you know, eventually they super. They you know she does fall for him legitimately, even if yeah, it's a little know, rough it's, at it's, first. But that's it's the classic classic trope of here. I took your glasses off. You're gorgeous now. Now you never have to wear these glasses again. Ever. Vision fixed. I did one quick thing. Quick thing I want to say about Burt Young. Burt Young is a part of one of my favorite scenes in a comedy film. It's in the Rodney Dangerfield film uh, Back to School. Oh, fuck yes. Uh, Burt Young plays like his like muscle, hired muscle for Rodney, Rodney Dangerfield's character. And these like frat guys are like, we're, we're going to beat you up. He's like, I don't know. I don't get I don't get physical. I get upset. When I get upset, he gets physical. And it's Burt Young like crushing like a napkin dispenser with his bare hands. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, we got a problem. And he starts like a bar fight. I mm, So good. Mm, mwah, I love that scene. I'm, uh, I'll have to post a clip of it later. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> sorry to interrupt the Adrian talk over this, but yeah, Adrian clearly the love interest of the film, like someone who's there trying to help Rocky get through it and encourage him that he can do it. Support like, him the best her. he can, but hey, no no sex. Lows your testosterone. <laughs> Whatever bullshit. It weakens the knees! Whatever bullshit old wives tale that is. I mean, I have heard legitimate, like I had friends who did swim in high school and there there's some legit legitimacy to that like they would go on uh like when they're in training for stuff like if you did they just wouldn't masturbate for a month but then they would do it like the day before the competition and apparently that like spikes your testosterone like does all this shit to your like physical you know, uh, your body mm. and stuff so I, I guess there is some legitimacy to that it was coming from them and i, I they took it pretty seriously so maybe there it's it's true i don't know mm. 
Could be some old wives tale still. I don't know. Uh, get back to us. Email us at moviefilmsbillandsteve.gmail.com. Let us know uh, don't, if, you're a, if you're a jizz expert. <laughs> the jizzology and how it helps your car. I need you to um, not have sex for a month, get into a boxing match. Then have sex regularly for a month to get into a boxing match. Tell me which one was better for you. Okay, well, I have no training as a boxer, so I'll probably be fine. Yeah, you'll, you'll be fine. Uh, let's yeah, get, uh, let's get you a bowl on the show, and we, we can box him. Oh, okay, that sounds awesome. <laughs> I would totally get my ass beat by your bowl. Uh, probably, cause he, like, was an Olympic boxer. <laughs> yep. <laughs> he knows what he's fucking he's doing. Plus, I think he, yeah, he probably is, uh, probably a couple weight classes above you still. Oh, uh, it'll be fine. No, I'm fast. I'm fast. I'm... Yeah, you're, you're, speed will win. It's like, it's like the old days of UFC, where they just put, like, a, there was no weight classes. <laughs> And everything went fine. Everything was great. <laughs> oh, we're not. Okay, let's get back to Rocky. This great fucking film. Um, it's beautiful. Uh, the montage is iconic for a reason. Um, it, he ate a bunch of eggs. He, he drank a bunch of eggs. Drink, drink, drink. I love. That's a great one shot take. Yeah, uh, yeah. I like. I he just I, keeps cracking eggs. I drink raw eggs. I could not drink like fucking nine raw eggs in a glass like he fucking did. Yeah, that was just, oh. Oh. It's like, what, six in there? And he just gugs just them. Just gugs them. Jesus. It's impressive, really. Brutal. But what I was saying about, real quick, the last thing about Adrian. I like Adrian, because Adrian is also helping Rocky's ego and self-esteem as much as he's helping her. Oh, absolutely. It's, it's a really good, it's a really good dynamic between the two of them. And Totally agreed with that, that yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's a great film. It's an iconic film. It's, you know, everyone everyone knows about Rocky. I appreciate, you know, to this day, I think it's really cool that they put the make the full makeup on uh, Sly and Carl Weathers and just kept taking it off piece by piece and then edited the final fight backwards. Mm-hmm. I think that's a great idea, especially for, like, 75. Oh, yeah, for sure. Good filmmaking. I know I, a lot of it also had to work around making sure... Like the choreography for all their stuff, because I don't they they didn't have like for a lot of shots they didn't have a full audience. They all had set up behind like particular corners, so they always had to like work around that and all this other stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because obviously, you know, there's only so much they do. Similarly, which is what we kind of get in Creed, which we'll we'll talk to here in a short minute about you know how you how you make an arena look full and there's good ways to do it and bad ways to do it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but you know, it's, yeah, it's Rocky. I I it's a great film, great story. Just. It's a classic American t- rags to riches tale. I will warn people uh, that there are a few parts of the film that do feel a bit slow. Uh, and the film takes its time with its characters. Yes. And I think that works. But this kind of gets into like a 70s pacing thing. It's not as bad as a lot of other 70s films. But the movie definitely takes its time with its characters where it's just silent. And it's just like two characters looking at each other and they share like a couple of words. There's a lot of that in the film. So if you're hopping into this expecting to see like Rocky boxing and then training and then the fight, you're good. You're going to be disappointed. Nope, yeah, <laughs> it, it takes it takes its time. There's a lot of stuff that goes on between the beginning of the film and even when Rocky is actually like picked to be in the fight. It's really just about him, like people he knows, like his life. Yeah, you're finding out who, what kind of where, where he's at, like what he what's he's up to, and all this stuff. Like you're really getting to know the character. And plus, same time, like if there's some issues, this is also like. Stallone, this is like, you know, Stallone's first script. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, obviously it has going to have some weaknesses here and there, but over, I mean, overall, like, the entire picture is very solid. Yeah. And so we get a solid foundation for a character that would, you know, permeate pop culture for decades to come. Oh, God, yes. Everyone still knows that Rocky song, that Rocky fucking, um, 
mon- the fanfare the montage, the yeah, the fanfare. Yeah. All that type of stuff. Uh, so, and plus, of course, you know, the, the Yo Adrian, like, there's so many... Oh, like, yeah, Yo Adrian gets referenced by people that don't know what Yo Adrian means. Exactly. <laughs> so it's a huge part of Americana, and would spawn uh, six, one, yeah, six more films after this. Yes. So we're not going to talk all of them, but we're going to talk about where he's at now in the current state of things. But as we rack up Rocky, uh, Steve, what would you give it star ratings? Um, I'm going to go with a four and a half. I am also a four and a half. It's just shy of the five because of the pacing things, and again, I think it works for the film, but there are also a couple points where I'm a little bit bored, and I do say that as someone that loves the film unabiasedly. Like, Yeah, I love the film, but it's not my favorite film in the Rocky franchise. Mm-hmm. For me, that's uh, uh, Rocky Balboa. Oh, is, Rocky Balboa is yours. Yes, it is. Uh, I guess since we're, we're kind of going through the years here, I actually, mine is a kind of uh, kind of a tie-ish uh, between Rocky 2 and Rocky Four. Yeah. I just love Rocky Four. Rocky Four is fucking great. I love Rocky Four. Now, what I like about Rocky Two is mostly about how this this fight that meant the world to Stallone at the end of the film, like, he's not even paying attention to the fucking scores. He doesn't care if he won. He doesn't know he did it. And yeah, I mean, the movie ends with just, like, Creed saying there ain't gonna be no rematch, and Rocky's replies, don't want one. Yeah, it's just, like, them reading the scores, he doesn't care. But it's so funny, with Rocky Two, Rocky Two is purely about, like, Apollo Creed like stewing like about everything that happened and like all this stuff and the build to the rematch and everything I was like I love that I love that aspect of like how do you make a sequel to this film like well you look at the guy who Rocky took it to the limit did more than that guy has ever done in his entire boxing career and then you see how that guy handles it yeah and I think that's fascinating but as far as Rocky 4 uh Rocky Balboa ends communism mm-hmm. he took down the wall he took that down and also says Dolph Lundgren Fuck yeah! But obviously, so we we the 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 evolution of this character, we go from you know rags, you know rags, nothing, getting built up, doing this big five Apollo Creed, winning the title, finding out that he's gone too far, he's lost his the eye of the tiger, he's lost the edge, the drive to make him you know be a champ against Clever Lang. Then after that, oh man, fucking Russia! Can we get to that? Have the apex of the ridiculousness of the franchise is that Rocky Four, in which case, we and yet it's the, still a good movie. It's such a great movie, <laughs> and it's so far like the the I think the training montage is the most eighties training montage. And trust me, there was a lot of training montages in the nineteen eighties. There were, and it's this film is just uh, the, the, even though this film was mi- released mid eighties, it is the apex eighties training montage. Hearts on fire, blasting. He's climbing up a fucking mountain. He's Train is doing this stuff. Oh, we're seeing the, the parallels between um, uh, Dolph Lundgren's character, um, um, uh, Drago, and how he's like using technology and science to make him strong and powerful, but not fucking Rocky. He's doing a barn and a cave with scraps. Mm-hmm. I, I try to get Steve to laugh at my Iron Man references, but he doesn't give a shit. No, I mean, I got it. Just, uh, just nodding quietly. <sighs> Well, that's just your opinion, man. <laughs> and then after Rocky Four, we get Rocky Five, which <laughs> Rocky, you have brain damage. You see, don't worry, you're gonna have a street fight with this dude. So, you like bikes? Uh, Don, there's a Don King analogy. <laughs> and and been poured Sage, and Sage Stallone. Uh, rest, rest in peace. R.I.P. in peace. Uh Rocky Five. 
Uh, the tagline, go for it. <laughs> go for it. After he loses all his money and goes back to nothing. Jesus, Rocky Five, uh, And then yeah. Rocky Six. he actually is not... He's where Rocky should have been in Rocky Five. For sure. Like, he's not rich, but he, he everyone still likes him. He has a successful business. Like, he's in a good place in life, financially. Yeah. He, you know, even though he lost his money, he was able to bounce back enough to at least get stable, have a nice little house... At a restaurant, Adrian is gone, but you know he's still got Polly. He's got to prove himself. I, I, I think that I think you, you, you said it perfectly. Like, let's remove Rocky Five from this entire franchise, and let's just say Rocky Balboa is Rocky Five, and this is what happens. Twenty-one years. I'm sorry, uh, thirty-one yeah. years after uh, Rocky Four. <laughs> Jesus, I forget how long I forget how long this franchise is, but I also really forget just how old Sylvester Stallone is. He is very old. I mean, he is 70 years old. Mm-hmm. And uh, his body is not something a seven-year-old should look like. He's like 40 years old. I'm sure he's taking some th- some stuff. Some some drugs. But yeah, I love Rocky Bubba. It's a good movie. The end. Yeah. And a lot of, sure. and a lot of his moments with uh, Adrian at the graveyard uh, really tugs my heartstrings. Which, of course, we kind of touch back on. Like, Creed is definitely a very solid sequel to Rocky Bubba. And again... You know, we're looking at nine years later. It's like the the gap between the films at this point is great because between Rocky, Rocky two, three, four, all those are three year gaps. Now we're in these films where like are huge gaps in time between films for this character yeah. and, and timeline, so we can see like just where he's at. Like by the time we get to now, we're talking about Creed, um, Creed two thousand fifteen, PG thirteen, two hours thirteen minutes, directed by Ryan Coogler, uh, the former heavyweight champion. Rocky Balboa serves as a trainer and mentor to Adonis Johnson, the son of his late friend and former rival, Apollo Creed. Hell yeah. So now, as we get to here with the character of Rocky, he's old, he's retired, he's now definitely in the realm where kind of Mickey was in the first film, and we find, you know, now he's at this point where he's very lonely, like his, uh, which, uh... This is kind of a parallel to real life, but you know when it comes, you know, between Adrian has passed on, Paulie's passed on, his son has like left him and moved on to somewhere else. Interesting parallel, which is interesting because like this obviously this film was made after the fact after Sage had passed away. Mm-hmm. So even the character again, the character of Rocky Balboa is also kind of paralleling Sylvester Stallone, where we are dealing with like loss of family, loss of a son stories in this film. Mm-hmm. Uh, parallel to Apollo Creed's son Adonis who is just, like, also searching for a father figure and for some sort of belonging. So that's kind of the theme of this film. Because overall, this film is essentially Rocky. Yeah, it's basically Rocky. You know, we have someone who thinks they're great, is, has some sense, has, does have an air of cockiness about them, it, but and they're, they're trying to prove something. And in this film, it's a similar case where they get a once-in-a-lifetime chance to face a champion, and it just goes the distance. Mm-hmm. So really, in a way, Creed, while Creed is somewhat of a remake of Rocky, it's more or less just kind of breathing life into a new character, which is starting from the, kind of the same place as Rocky. It's a relaunch. For sure. Uh, and as, I mean, I haven't heard anything about there being another film. Um, They were working on it for a while, but who knows? For sure. Yeah. I, I mean, it's, you know, cause it's through your gaps. Maybe next year we'll get something. Yeah. Uh, but... I hope that it's a very, I hope that that guy comes out of prison and fights Creed again, and this time Creed wins. And then the third one, he fights Mister T. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Uh, he just fights that guy who's too, he, who won his Camaro. <laughs> they got his jaw broken. Yes. Like, you ain't got what it takes. Like, they have a big, big match in Madison Square Garden for his Camaro. You want your car back? <laughs> the you car, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's really, it's just kind of hard to talk about Creed, because Creed is really just the same story as Rocky. It is like, that's very not, that's similar. Not, that's not a knock against it. That's not a knock against it. I wanna, I wanna it's a similar it. story, but um, Creed himself uh, Johnson is a totally different character than Rocky, I'd say. Yes. Um, he is much, he take, he is his father's son. Yeah. But he doesn't want to be his father's son. Yeah, there's great, there's, I do like that part of this, so the story of this film where he's just trying to make it on his own and he's trying to do all these things. Like even to a point where there's the, the opportunity to have this huge fight for the light, light heavyweight championship. And it's just like, well, you have to be Creed or there's no fight. He's like, well, I don't want to be Creed. I want, I want to be myself. I want to be, I want to be Johnson. And it, it really, the importance of that fight is him accepting the name Creed yes. and accepting the man, the, the, the weight of the mantle of being Apollo Creed's son. Mm-hmm. Cause even though he's a different person, obviously the world is just going to say like, oh, he's just his son. That means he must have the same skills and all this other stuff as the greatest of all time. Yeah. And it's, that, that, that's a daunting thing on him. And that's a similar case here where, his whole goal is to go the distance similar to Rocky was for just, uh, you know, um, kind of just to, 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 for himself to know he can do it to just kind of be like, I can do this. I can do this now. And with Creed going the distance is kind of, it's kind of for him to find a place with his father, but also to prove his, his, uh, um, critics wrong. Like, no, I am his son. Yeah. And all this stuff. It's just, you know, I am Johnson. Those, I am Creed, which are those, yeah, exactly. those so shorts that his mama sent him. I love that. I love too, it too. He, he opens the box says Creed, and then on the back says Johnson. I was like, yes, <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> uh, this is a hard film to watch for anybody who has dad issues. Yeah, it's uh, it's pull, tugs on those heartstrings. It, it does. If you're like me, or I, uh, I would assume Steve, or any guy I know, because I think everyone has dad issues for some fucking reason. Dad, we're all, we're all friends of each other. We're all friends of each other. We have a cool, cool dad problem. Club. Dad problem club. <laughs> <laughs> our dads are either not around a lot we've had other issues or just never just disappeared i have some friends who don't know their dads it's like you know it's like goddamn gotta stop this steve uh, we gotta get we gotta, new, we gotta get new friends who have really good relationships with their dads uh, i do have one friend that has a good relationship with his dad it's weird god damn it i don't get it i don't understand it i'm like whoa 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 you talk to your dad i don't understand you gotta slow down <laughs> you're weird <Wait laughs> you're weird me. This guy's dad beat him a lot, so I think I'm gonna be friends. I'm gonna be friends with that guy, not you, you dad cook. <laughs> Why don't you go have a picnic with your father? <laughs> Why don't you, you know, go to the park together and have a good time and talk to each Why other? Why don't you make a Pinewood Derby car with your dad? You little you piece fuck. of shit. You little you little beta bitch. Beta bitch having good memories with your father. Don't mind me, I'm just going to cry over here at the, at the sense of loss and the sense of, I, I really agree with you, I'm so sorry that you don't have a dad anymore. Don't mind me. This episode got real. This movie got real, like a lot, like, just like, just like heart-tugging moments of Rocky, but nothing like in Creed, Jesus Christ. Yeah, um, yeah. Creed's rough, not just because of, the, obviously, the, the, the the father stuff, which I'm, I don't know, I, maybe other people don't can can be just as t- hurt tugged by that. But like also the stuff of Rocky. Oh yeah, uh, Rocky just uh, getting getting that cancer. Yeah. Uh, I also enjoy that Rocky still has his dusty chair to visit Adrian, um, yep. and apparently Polly also died. Yep. I mean, it makes sense, even though even though Burt Young has not died, 
Uh, <laughs> he's still alive, 76. You know, but it's so funny that it's like, oh, he died. And like, he's only six years older than you saw. <laughs> yeah, seriously. You know, in this such... Um, and I, I fucking, I love Rocky's reaction to the cancer. It makes so much sense. Oh, for sure. I just like, like I, I, I don't care. I'm going to be with my wife again. It's like, what's the point yeah. of, I've seen people try to fight this with chemo. And it's a hard fight, it's the hardest fight of their life, and they still lose. So what's the point? If I could get one more day with my wife, I would trade this all away for that. So, why bother? Mm. And it's Creed, like, popping up like, No, I didn't have a dad, motherfucker, and you're the closest thing I got. Please don't do this yet. Yeah, that's that's probably my favorite part of this film, is just... The montage is the best montage in the franchise, in my opinion. Because it's... Which one? In Creed. With, I mean, like, oh, I'm okay, sorry, the final montage when it is Creed's opponent, whose name I forget, the fucking douchebag. Yeah. Um, mustache twirling villain levels, it seems like at times. Uh, uh, there's reasons. Like, a, I, like, he's playing yeah. it up for the character, I get it. He's playing a heel. Exactly. Um, but, yeah. but of him training, of, um, Adonis training, and then Rocky fighting cancer. It's the, it's a three-way montage, which I really appreciated. Because I, I, it's the idea that both Adonis and Rocky are having their own fights at the same time during this montage, and I like that a lot. Mm-hmm. I don't know, it worked for me a lot. I don't know what to say. No, it does. It works. I, I, I do agree with you. Just uh, you're seeing, like, you're just seeing the one guy training, but you see that yeah, Adonis having to do both, help Rocky and and help, and himself like working hard. Would stuff. Adonis have won if he didn't have to also help Rocky? You know. Maybe, but I think that's uh, him helping Rocky was also a major part of his training, major part of his. No, I agree. Coming to yeah, it's all it's all there for him, like because uh, a lot of it's the head game for him, like you know, uh, just family, family. You know, we're talking about Fate of the Furious, family. Family is a big theme when it comes to Creed and how it's just him, his push and his drive to make sure that Rocky, you know, Rocky understands, like, yeah, your your old family, yes, they're gone, but I'm your new family, and like we, can, you're my family, like you know, I, I you know, that's the big part of the film for. When it you know major breakdown for um, Adonis is when he's in the jail. It's like he's crying, like, looking in front of Rocky, crying, like trying to hide this stuff. Like this, this film touches on this stuff really well because I think there's a big problem with some films and some stuff where the idea of like yeah, it's just the term toxic masculinity gets thrown around a lot, but it, you don't get a lot of times in films where you get to see male characters actually. Or know, it's legitimate. You have legitimate feelings and have legitimate issues of like abandonment and things, which again. Touch on those, those those father strings again. Yep. You're like, ah, oh, damn it, <laughs> shit, fuck, God damn it. stop it, god damn it. <laughs> um, but yeah, but like the whole, the, the biggest, like the strongest part of the film for me is when he gets knocked down during that fight, and he's just like everything slow motion, you're hearing everyone, and then you go like that like two second like stock footage clip of Apollo Creed from the films he watches all the time, and boom, he just snaps, gets right up. It's like that's such a and he leaps up too, like. That's such a huge, powerful moment, and I, I that's probably my favorite part of the film. It made me oddly go, oh! And that doesn't happen all the time, so. For sure. <laughs> that's a big thing, and um, it's great because, again, you know, it's a similar, similar situation. Like, he, uh, you know, loses by split decision, It does, but it doesn't matter. All about was him, was going the distance, again, proving that he could do it, doing things to... I forget who he's. He, I'm trying to look on here who he was even fighting. Yeah, I fucking forget. Uh, um, I'm I'm trying to find it. Uh, uh, uh Conlon. Conlon, yeah. Is Conlon. Which I, I, you know, it's so funny when you look on the the Wikipedia list. Like, this is the cast, but they don't have who the fuck played. 
Yeah. There we go. So Tom Bellevue as pretty Ricky Conlon. There he goes. Yeah, and like I appreciate that Conlon drops his kayfabe and, and right. says you're the future of this division. Oh, they good. He, Tony Bellwell is actually an actual Tony Bellwell who played Conlon is actually is an actual boxer. Uh, I wonder. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I wonder if uh, you know the actor for Adonis, um, Michael Jordan, the same one you guys know. I assume they all look the same to me. Michael B. Michael B. Jordan. Yeah, I've, that's right. Michael B. Jordan. That's the difference. Um, anyway, I wonder if he told uh, him to actually punch him for real, just like Sylvester Stallone did. Oh my god! There's so many great like behind the scenes stories. If uh, Rocky Four, he told Dolph Lundgren to hit him as hard as he could. He fucking cracked his ribs <laughs> and like almost killed him. Yeah. <laughs> It's like, God, have you have you seen the man you're asking to punch you? He is a he has a what, he has a doctorate and he's like a judo champion and all sort of shit. I'm glad they at least used that shot in the film. Yeah. <laughs> How would you not? No, no shit. It's like, goddamn. Um, super impressive part of Creed is the uh, first like boxing boxing match, all one fucking take. Oh, that's a great yeah. Holy, really like every time. single time I thought they were going to cut, they didn't. So the fact that they had that camera movement, that choreography, the lines, holy shit, I was blown away as a filmmaker. I could Are you never talking about the, the the Mexico fight or the amateur the fight. The amateur fight. Okay, okay. I thought I was trying to think of like I don't remember the Mexico, but yeah, but the amateur one, yeah, I definitely noticed that that, that was all one take. It was amazing. I didn't notice any whip pants, so yeah, I do think it was one take. Yeah, it was. Like I was watching. <laughs> I was fucking watching. Jesus. Yeah, that that was definitely great. They, 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 that's the thing I would say. The biggest improvement, and these, if you're comparing this film to Rocky, is that the choreography and the shooting of the fight segments is fantastic. Mm-hmm. But beyond beyond just a single shot, like they look really good. There's a good dynamic to it, and they move really well, move really quickly. Like this film is lo- just as, just about as long as the first film, but even it moves much better. Good, there's a good there's a good speed to it, and there's a good movement to yes. it. Where even though like we're getting a lot of character scenes, there's good like development. Like we're getting a lot more development between Adonis and and um, is it Bianca? Uh, yeah, yeah, it's Bianca. Okay, we're getting a good development between her, a lot more development between him and her than necessarily what we got between Rocky and Adrian yeah. in the first yeah. film. So I was really good in that regard. Like she's she like she's more of a well-rounded character, not just someone there to emotionally support Adonis in his, in his time of need. Yeah, she actually exists, which is great. Um, and then uh, the ending is really good too. I like For I sure. like Rocky getting to go up the stairs one last time. Yeah, it's a really it's a really good moment. Like this, them walking together up the uh, the museum of art. Yeah. So that was that's uh, that's Creed, and then at this point, that's that's what we can seemingly see as the end of the Rocky Balboa story, um, similar to what we had when we talked about Rambo, like right, the film Rambo. Seemingly at this point, given it, there's still nothing, no no news has been had about another film that was seen at the end of the Rambo character, and seeing where the evolution for that character. While in that case, I think we thought the first film was the best film of that franchise in terms of what it did how did you see the evolution of the character of Rocky from the first film until now? I mean, again, ignoring five, it has been <laughs> yes. a very natural progression of the Rocky character. You have the uh, from nothing to rich success to 80s cheese, but still not losing its heart mm-hmm. back down to reality and about being uh, about persevering and proving yourself and then rounding it out with a new face, uh, a new young, young blood in Creed. 
uh, where it's again, he's the new Rocky, he's proving himself to the world, and he's showing what he can do. Um, and Rocky getting his chance, you know, he trains someone, he kind of, like, becomes a father to his friend's son. His, uh, arguably his best friend's son. Or at least his equal's son, well, greater. Everyone. Aside, Rocky 2 is the only time Rocky ever beat Apollo Creed. It's official. Because they, they, yeah, they really, confirmed who won the third fight. Yeah, I really did. I, I really appreciate they confirmed the, the, the ending to that, that uh, secret sparring fight they had. Yeah. It's like, it's like, it's like, I love that part. It's like, who won? He did. He was the best. Yeah, he's the best. <laughs> no one better. No one better. Um, and Rocky has one last fight, except it's against, um, it's a, once again, kind of like himself. It's not another opponent. It's a big theme of this film is the biggest opponent is yourself. And that not only yeah. goes for Creed, that goes for Rocky. Yeah, that whole part when he's like, here's the mirror. Like, there's you. That's who you're fighting. You know, that's right. That's right there. It's like, again, there's great, there's great moments, great, uh, um, uh, themes throughout the film that relate just as much to Creed as they do to a, uh, to, to uh, Rocky, yeah. which is great. But yeah, you could, I could have said any better myself. Like the, the evolution of the character is this, the heart has always been there and is never. I don't think it's ever jeopardized that in the all. The films. This might be overall, even including five, the most consistently great long running franchise. Uh I, you'd probably be right. I mean, I'm saying might be. You know what? Like, I'm not putting my foot down. I'm sure someone can argue something else. Yeah, off the cuff, I'd, I'd have to agree with you because I think going from '76 to 2000, you know, 15, that's uh, 50 years. That's 50 right. that's, that's, years. Sorry. Well, 39 years. There you go. That's more like it. Hey, you know what? It's okay. I you know. I'm, it's a movie podcast, not a math podcast. Why don't you go be math blasters? You fucking <laughs> motherfucker. Go find out the area of a rhombus, you dick. Well, I will. So get on that. Uh, so I, I think we can't say much more than that. Uh, I think, you know, there's the, the character Rocky Balboa will live on in Americana forever. And it's so great that even the last, like, what will probably be the last film is a, a, a incredibly great film for technically these, you know, seventh film in a franchise. Yeah, technically. It's incredible that it can, I mean, t- so much so that so Stallone got like a lot of uh, uh, Best Supporting Actor nominations. Mm-hmm. Which, I, I, I can kind of, I don't know, I can kind of see it, but I, I didn't, I don't know, I still have to go back and re-look re, re over who all was nominated that year to decide, because I know a lot of people were like, eh, he was okay, and a lot of people were like, he was great. I mean, I, I thought he was really I good, think he did, but I didn't. I can see a nomination, but definitely not a win. Yeah, because I know a lot of people are like, he should have won the Oscars. Like, nah. But should he? I just never knew until now because I hadn't watched the film until now. Another big thing about this film is that a lot of times uh, new creative teams will take over a franchise and you'll feel like they missed the point when they're relaunching the franchise. You mm-hmm. know, like if, like if in a, an alternate reality, let's say someone made a Nightmare on Elm Street remake relaunch and it was made by a team of people that didn't understand the original franchise whatsoever and they completely mm-hmm. dropped the ball. That's on Earth 2, that never really happened here. Um, but Creed was not like that. This absolutely, it felt like it was written by Sylvester Stallone to the point where I had to look at the credits and was a little surprised that Sylvester Stallone was not one of the writers. Yeah, because he had written every other Every film. other film. And it completely still feels like a Rocky film. Well, I think going into Creed, if I remember correctly, they were going to make it and... He he didn't want to do it, but uh, Ryan Coogler and and the other writer um, Aaron Covington and this story is also by Ryan Coogler. They took the script to him, like here's what we wrote, and he's like, because of their script is why he signed on to do the film. Yeah, and that's awesome. Because originally he was kind of like, ah, I'm done, I'm done. Yeah, Balboa like, was his Balboa ending. Was a great ending yeah. for the character, but 
this is I think this was like the act like the one extra step that we really needed to put the pin on the character mm-hmm. and be like, you know what, here we go. Here's here's the story, here's the beginning. Rocky Balboa his is, is his ending. This is his epilogue. Mm-hmm. Oh for sure. That that's totally on point. Yeah. For sure. Uh, I think what helps the film series the, the it's pretty much had the same producers for all the films yeah, too. Yeah, that does help. So like there's been so, like between the producers between Stallone, I think there's been enough there to maintain the quality the, the entire time mm-hmm. and stuff. Even though directors have kind of shifted around, but I mean you know, uh, I mean Stallone directed most of the films. Yeah. Uh, John G. Avildsen directed like you know, but the films at this point, all seven films have only been directed by uh, three different people. Yeah, so I mean that helps a lot and maintaining like a consistency and such. But as we wrap it up here, uh, so Creed, uh, what would you give it star ratings? I'm going to, I'm going to go with a four and a half. I am also, I'm a four and a half right there with it. Great. Yeah. In that regard, uh, it's two movie made me like, you know, sweat from my eyes. It's, it's garbage. (laughs) It's terrible. I, I don't like it. Go to hell movie. Go to hell. Uh, if you guys want to let us know all of your fan theories on Rocky and like, uh, just, you know, is he, was he an alien? I don't know. Let us know. Uh, moviefilmsabilityfilm.com. I don't know why that's what I'm leading with, but I really had no, like, outro lead into our email Well, you us. forgot about something. what I forget about? Which one's better? Uh, wait, a Creed or a Rocky? Yeah. We um, always do that in the then versus now. We always say, which one do we like more? Well, no, that, that that is old versus new. We can pair which one is better. New, then versus now. Why would I? Why would I do that? You're right. I'm sorry. I got I got our two random I fucking mean, things I, mixed up. I have to rethink. I don't remember because we only ever did one then versus now, and that was Rambo. I, can't, I mean, maybe we did. Okay, if I had to compare, I think, uh, I think Creed is better than Rocky because Creed has a lot more history and story and heart going into it that helps develop it, make it a film that like, just tugs at you more. Meanwhile, Rocky, while a very good film, doesn't have the history to go with it. Yeah, um, like, on one hand, my answer is, I don't know, because they're both excellent <laughs> films. Sure. But if you put a gun to my head, I think I also have to give it to Creed. I think there's a lot more emotion, uh, and I will say a part of, a big part of that is probably the whole father aspect. And yes. the history as well. And not to mention, there's better... Honestly, like, from an objective point of view, the characters are better. It's The, the pacing is a lot better. Stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So, I, if I was forced to choose, I'm going to have to give it to Rocky 7. Rocky 7, <laughs> colon, creep. Rocky 8, Adrian's Revenge! <laughs> oh, man, I hope Dolph Lundgren kills Rocky. And... <laughs> and then Adonis has to fight Dolph Lundgren. Oh, that would be a great, like, Creed sequel. <laughs> I killed your father. <laughs> And I killed your men. I killed both your fathers. If he dies, he dies. Okay, well, now I have a better outro question. Hey, let us know which film is your favorite, Creed or Rocky. Let us know. Or maybe maybe you like Rocky Five. Send us your detailed thesis defending Rocky Five to moviefilmsandfilmsteve.com. <laughs> you can also find us at moviefilmsandfilmsteve.tumblr.com. All of our episodes are listed there. It's very nice, very neat, very direct. And the other social media realms you can get to us. Uh, now, I always say that, but iTunes isn't social media. But you can't leave reviews, and that means a lot to us. Leave a five-star review on iTunes. Look us up, Movie Films of Bill and Steve. We're also on Facebook. Give us a like. Leave us a post letting us know your favorite film if you don't like emailing people. Because emails are a thing of the past. It's all about Facebook posts. I'm going to poke you. I'm going to post some funny memes on your Jesus wall. Jesus Christ. It's going to be great. Uh, check it out. Uh, did you know about uh, this funny dog picture? <laughs> The dog's fat. It's great. Uh, let's know at moviefilmsbonesteve at gmail. Uh, that's the email address. God, fuck. 
fucking this up, Steve. This is a professional podcast. We're on Facebook. Just look at us up, Movie Festival, and see if it's really nice of you. We'd appreciate that. We're also on Stitcher on the website and the mobile app. That's nice. And uh, wrapping it up here, I am on Twitter at LaVoolBill. And, of course, uh, you can find my films, facebook.com slash silverspotlightfilms, silverspotlightfilms.com, carousel.com, you know, still trying to push that shit because it's my moneymaker. And if you ever want to look at me wearing spandex, it is facebook.com slash theamazingspidersteve. And you can email me, darkmullet at gmail.com. Email me your stories about how much uh, fun you had with your father. (laughs) Please don't do that to me. (laughs) Do that to Steve, not to me, please. Um, And I will insult you. I'm gonna assault you. Oh, your dad, you and your dad went to the zoo? Haha, <laughs> you bitches. You fucking bitches. You Italian whores. Oh, what, you fucking hug at the end of that day, too, and tell each other that you oh, love you each other? You buy a pretzel, you buy a pretzel, <laughs> a salty pretzel, some mustard, you got that for your diabetes? Yeah, you shove that, shove that pretzel into your mouth like it's a cock. Oh, is your dad there when you got your scholarship award at the at the high school thing? Was he there to congratulate his son for having perfect attendance and getting 4.0? Was he there for did that? He, huh? Did he shake your hand and then hug you and then look you in the eyes and say, I'm proud of you, Steve. I'm proud of you and I'll never leave you alone! Did he? Yeah, <laughs> you fucking pussy. <laughs> this is our favorite, this is my favorite bit that we've ever done. I don't know. The Ernest episodes had a lot of good John R. Cherry moments. I don't know if that's... Uh, I mean, there's good moments. Good moments for sure, but I don't know. I I like... Here's one for the books. (laughs) Take a break and we come back with cool dad stories. Oh, as always, guys, I've been Bill. I've been Steve. Apollo Creed was the Italian Stallion. Sounds like a damn monster movie.